so vain. I'm pretty sure this song is about me. I'm so vain. Don't you think this song is about me? Don't you? Don't you? Oh, today is Sunday, June 21st. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am the host of a show called This Joe Batanz. Not that Joe Batanz, not those Joe Batanzes, not their Joe Batanz, but this Joe Batanz. And who do we talk about? This guy, right here. And I'll have you know, I actually pointed a thumb at myself. Right here on This Joe Batanz. Right here on Afterthought Media. Like I stated at the top of the show, today is Sunday, June 21st, 2020, and my name is Joe Batanstein, the host of this Joe Batanz. We have a lot to discuss today. Now, most of it is, or some of it is, or some part of it is, a continuation of what we were discussing yesterday. I'll probably have to do a previously on, for mostly for myself, to be honest with you, but I also want to talk about... A post I saw on the Discord today, and something it wasn't just in the Discord, it was also uh, brought up uh, somewhere else. I've just heard about this. But di- the Pride 48 Discord, all right? I don't know that much about it, but it, it, it'll lead to discussion about me and Pride 48. And also, oh, I want to talk about my conversation with Lowry yesterday. Lots, that's why I'm saying a lot of things to discuss today. So yesterday I was discussing Rulaska thoughts and how I thought, you know, like I said, I wasn't going to, my intention wasn't to bring Rulaska thoughts back. Uh, The the Rulaska thoughts was an emergency fill-in show for the pit crew because the pit crew just uh, didn't make, for uh, the quarantine and whatever reasons, didn't happen for season 12. And it's back for All-Stars 5. I'm going to tell you something. With these pit crew boys, it's so touch and go all the time. Not in any kind of dramatic way. In fact, if anything, right now, we're in a sweet spot. Because they're not too busy because of the quarantine. And they take it kind of seriously. But uh, but once things get back to normal, it gets tricky. But even then, it's still kind of tricky. Even now, it's still kind of tricky. With their schedules and their families. And straight people have very complicated lives. Anyway. So I had to throw Rulaska thoughts together. And as I stated previously on. Look. uh, The show just doesn't always have. uh, Enough material. For a deep dive into the show. It just doesn't. So. um, You know. It's. It's. it's one of these things where I tried it and I thought, okay, well, we'll do we'll do different things all the time. And we had Haley Sklans on, and she did a fantastic job with the with the looks. But what was happening was the looks part. One, it's a visual medium, and here, here's what I found. I'm going to keep Crowdcast around. Crowdcast is a feature that you guys like, but I'll be honest with you. 
very few of you actually use it. It's it's definitely, I will say, a lost leader for Afterthought. We're not, it's not, it doesn't seem like, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And this, this, keep that in mind, because it'll be important for the Lori conversation of people. Uh, I'll tell you this. I'm usually pretty secretive about the numbers, but it's more than 500, less than 1,000. Okay? More than 500, less than 1,000 are Afterthought Media Patreon subscribers. And so if you think, keep that number in mind, you you probably didn't think it was that many people. And because the people that you interact with, if you interact at all, now for those of you, like there's either you don't interact with anybody from, you know, you're a Patreon subscriber and you're just a Patreon subscriber. uh, And uh, uh, that's it. Okay. And that's all there is to it. And, and, And then that's all you like it to be. And that's it. But why would you know how many people are subscribed? And then you have uh, people who are very involved, but they just see each other all the time. Not that, and I'm sure that they thought that they that uh, there were more people than just them, but just not how many. You know, I should probably do an actual count of the number of people that I know. Oh, I know who that person is, and I'll bet you it's only about. <sighs> under 10% or less of all the Patreon supporters. So for those of you listening that you've never communicated with me, uh, (laughs) thank you. It's rude. But uh, thank you for being there. Thank you for um, supporting us, but not being, you know, uh, having a lot of requests. And then a lot of you are, I know who you are, but you don't have a lot of requests. Anyway. Uh, So it happened to be and so somebody reminded me in the chat room yesterday that it wasn't when I, you know, I block a lot of people. It wasn't when I blocked Darren Perilous. It was when I got upset with Common Cool and blocked Common Cool that uh, that it, it, it was on the same day uh, where, uh, you know, I kind of went on a big speech about young people and they're going to... And what's funny is I have those same feelings now with what we're going through with cancel culture. I was having a conversation with friends uh, recently because cancel culture has been in the news with Chris D'Elia and, and all sorts of people, you know. And I have, and I've never talked about this because I don't know why I would. I have this group of friends from high school, small group of women, okay, that I'm friends with. And we're all in a little small text message group. And I have told friends before that I find this group very frustrating because the, it, this group is extremely PC. It's extremely left-wing, which doesn't bother me. But it's like you, they never have a negative say, a word to say about anybody. And if you have anything negative to say, it will get attacked. Okay, they don't want any negativity. It's a very positive group. But sometimes they want to go like, oh, this fucking person, you know? Or like tease somebody. You know, I want to do. And in that group, I can't. So I find that group very stifling. I participate because I like these people. And they're very good people. But I find it very stifling. Well, here's what's funny. We were all in a production of West Side Story in the early 90s. 
And somebody commented, oh my God, that, that play would be so controversial because the kids, all the, the sharks were put in brown face to play Puerto Ricans. She said that would you that wouldn't fly now. We were like, oh my god, what a different time it was then. Blah blah blah. And then someone said, you know, act what you know they were talking about. It, and they said we should actually hear from the um, people in this group of color, which are just me and Mercedes. So Mercedes and I weighed in, and I and I was saying, you know, <clears throat> uh, uh, I don't know how this came up, but anyway, cancel culture came up, and I was. F- floored to find out that all of these people as left wing as they are as uh very nice they don't want to hear negative word about anybody are very opposed to cancel culture like really opposed and we had a discussion about that uh and i uh have talked to a lot of friends and what i've noticed is that the people that i know who are 35 and older see cancel culture as a big problem. This is the people I know. I'm not saying everybody, but just people that I know. And it seems to be the people, I wouldn't, I don't know, I think it goes late 20s and early 30s, I think it, it can go anywhere. But definitely your 25 and younger are completely for cancel culture. And my hypothesis is that when you're that age, you only see things in black and white, okay? And you haven't lived long enough to realize that people do evolve. People do change, and they continue to change, and they continue to evolve. And that you have made mistakes that maybe you're not aware of, and that the generation behind you will remind you what those mistakes are. And that you can't judge a person... For a mistake, well, not that you can't, that you have to, be, we want people to look on our own past or our own pasts with uh, a sympathetic eye and that we, that we owe it to other people to give some leeway for transgressions in the past. And it's very difficult to put our values on not only ourselves from the past, but generations in the past, you know? Not that we can't change it. You know, like, for instance, they're changing Aunt Jemima, and they should change Aunt Jemima. <laughs> it's based on a racist thing. But that uh, it, we're not going to go dig up the grave of the person who created Aunt Jemima and, and say horrible things to that person. And um, because at the time, it was, that was just sort of acceptable. And, and I was talking about how there are, and I don't really want to get into it, because I don't want people to even know about this. There are things that I have said or done in a much in a different life that I thought were funny at the time. At the time, no one saw them as problematic, but if they were to, for somehow, they, there would be no way they would resurface. But if they were to resurface, you know, 20, 30 years later, they would be very problematic. And I was just a different person then. I was a different person. You know, in the early days of catching up, I used to say retarded all the time. You know, now I would hesitate to say retarded. We change, we evolve because we learn and we grow. Okay, no, no one is static. What's funny is, if you think about it, the people who believe in keeping things static and that things are static are the far right. They believe in keeping the status quo. 
the left are the progressives. They believe in progress. They believe in evolution. They believe that we evolve. And that doesn't happen over the course of hundreds of years. It can happen over the course of a decade. And so we have to look and we have to see what do people say now about what do they judge me by now? Right. And I will apologize for things I did in the past. Anyway, this was sort of the topic of the conversation when Haley Sklans came for me in the chat room for because I was playing an old song. But once again, I will say, and I, I harped on this then and I'll harp on it now. You're going to, you know, Dick Clark, can't believe I'm quoting Dick Clark. Dick Clark had a quote, which is that music is the soundtrack of our lives. And uh, we, we like certain songs because we associate them with memories and times in our past. Even Haley Sklan said that she liked, uh, what's the name of the, the horrible, Hootie and the Blowfish, because her mom used to play for her when she was a kid. You see, she likes Hootie and the Blowfish because her mom played it for her when she was a kid. Anyway, that, I discussed this then. I'm not going to discuss it now. The point I'm saying is it's not been lost on me that since that day, I've not seen the Sklans girls in the... That was almost two months ago. I have not seen them in the chat room. They've sort of dropped off the face of the earth. And I I don't know why. I think that there some, seems to be some belief that I stopped having Haley on the show because of that. That's not the case. It was just a weird coincidence that I had been sort of thinking that maybe we shouldn't do... Um, because the looks were a lot of work on both Haley's end and on my end to get done. And, uh, and I hate talking about the looks. I couldn't find anyone who would want to take over talking about the looks. And I was like, I don't want to do the, I don't want to do the looks where I was irresponsible is I should have had a conversation with Haley about it. And I just... But it was so weird because I thought she was mad about the other thing that I was like, oh, I'll talk about it later. I'll talk about it later. I'll talk about it next week, next week, next week. And then next thing you know, it's two months later and I'm talking about it on this Joe Batanz. But um, look, I would love it for the Sklans girls to come back in the fold. But if I understand if their feelings are hurt and they would rather listen at a distance, I get that too. Okay, so that's the whole end of that conversation. The next thing is uh, I want to talk about... Uh, wasn't it Laurie? Wasn't it the next topic? I want to talk about Pride 48 and the and the, and the porn. Uh, that makes more sense, because the Laurie thing might have to wait a day. That's another long one, and we only have a few minutes left. So, first of all, when Nami Harder, who I don't think listens to this Joe Batanz, but when Nami Harder says in Discord, wow, Pride 48 is just nothing but porn, you know you have too much porn. Because Nami Harder is the queen of the Porn Decor Lounge on Discord. And it's funny because the Pride 48 point I'm going to make is related to the Lori thing. But I, again, I don't think we have enough time to talk about Lori. We'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow now. I have tomorrow's topic. But um, Pride 48 is its own community and it has its own how do I put it? Personality. And Afterthought Media is very lucky because RuPaul's Drag Race is the funnel into all things Afterthought Media. Okay? 
you come to you you start with RuPaul's Drag Race and hopefully you join Patreon and fall in love with everything else. But you join because of RuPaul's Drag Race, and the audience for RuPaul's Drag Race is pretty. Believe it or not, it's very split between men and women. Uh, our fan base is almost. I mean, I think it is fifty. I could look actually on Instagram, but fifty percent women, fifty percent men. It's like split down the middle, and. Uh, and I don't know to what degree the, the women are straight or gay, uh, and I'm pretty sure most of the men are gay, okay? So, um, for you have a huge mix in Afterthought. Pride 48 is different. It does have some women, but for the most part, the vast majority of the people who uh, are big supporters of Pride 48, the, by far the vast majority, are older gay men. And actually, I can go further. Older gay white men, and they, and I could even go further on the demographic, but I'll leave it at that. <clears throat> and it has its own personality. It has its own sense of uh, of what is appropriate. And because it's a bunch of older gay men, for some reason, it's highly, highly sexually charged. Now, I know someone said, "Well, you have a whole uh, channel for porn." Uh, on the Discord. Yeah, you're right. It's a channel that you select to go into. And I'll be honest with you, it isn't, it's not inactive, but it's not as active as people probably think. And there's probably some bursts of activity a few times a month, and then that's it. There are channels that are far more active, having nothing to do with porn or sex. So, uh, that's just your, what you're finding out when you were, when people were saying this. They were saying, like, oh, my God, Joe, can you believe it? I'm like, yeah, that's Pride 48. Pride 48 is very, very uh, consumed with sex and all things sex. And there are a lot of differences between Afterthought and Pride 48. You know, I was, for a long time, a prominent member of Pride 48. Uh, I say prominent. I wouldn't say popular. I'd say Taylor's very popular. Uh, but I was definitely very prominent. I think people couldn't deny the talent, but, you know, I think for a lot of people at Pride 48, I reminded them, whether it was my intention or not, of that bully in school. So they see me, even though I don't really do anything very bullish and never really have, uh, they see me as a bully, okay? I have stood up for things that I that are wrong, you know, the person that, you know, I supposedly bullied uh, was thrown out of the organization for stealing. And pretty much my act, the, the reason they think I was bullying him, because I thought, I didn't think he was stealing, but I thought he was up to shenanigans. And I called him on it, and he was, he clutched his pearls. And people were like, oh my God, can you believe Joe Batanz called him on this? It's horrible. And then later on, he was stealing. And, um, and, and so, uh, I, I know what the personality of the network is like, and uh, I there are ways that Afterthought's very similar, and there are ways Afterthought's very different. And it's one of these things, just to give a preview of the conversation, I had, I had a very heated conversation with Lori yesterday after we recorded at night. Remember when I said, oh, well, we'll talk about this off the air? She wanted to talk about it, we talked about it, and it got very heated. And what's funny is we haven't gotten into other Pride 48 philosophy, so it has nothing to do with sex. But 
I think Lori's vision for the first response and for podcasting in general is very, very reminiscent of, of stuff that I've heard on Pride 48. And it, it's just not on brand for Afterthought. I will say right now, I think the first response, it's going to always happen. Who's on it is going to be, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know who's going to be on it next Friday. I'll put it that way. I have to have another talk with Lori. But I, it's really important to me that shows remain on brand on Afterthought. And I don't think First Response has been on brand. And if anything, Lori's philosophy for how the First Response should be is very Pride 48. And it's the parts of Pride 48 I don't want an Afterthought. And, uh, well, we'll have to discuss that tomorrow, won't we? That's going to do it for this episode of This Joe Batan. I, I love this cliffhanger at the end of every episode. Makes you want to tune in tomorrow, right? A lot of you listen in the shower. So dry off. And I'll see you tomorrow in the shower. Right here on This Joe Batan. Right here on Afterthought Media.